we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Well, let's give the Lord a praise. Can we do that? Come on. I think we can do better than that. Let's praise His name today. Amen. I want you to say this with me, Hosanna. Well, that was weak. Say Hosanna. That is the highest word of praise. Hosanna to God in the highest. This is what they cried out 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday. They cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to know today we have the same privilege and the same honor to praise the same Jesus and to lift his name up in this house and to glorify his name in this house. And why do we praise him? Because he is faithful. He has been faithful even when I have not. He has been true even when I have not. He has been the God he always promised he would be even when I have not been what I promised I would be. He has been faithful and true. Let's give him one more big praise as we're being seated this morning. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to, to have everyone with us. Uh, it's good to see uh, familiar friends today that we haven't got to see in a while. Uh, we are coming through spring break, and uh, you guys are the faithful. Some of y'all uh, came in on two wheels, got here to church uh, this morning. I appreciate you making that effort to be here, even though you're probably tired from going to relax. Um, you know, I, I don't know about y'all, I need a week to recover from my relaxation week. Um, but God is good, amen. Uh, for those that are in the house, especially our, our seniors, uh, get ready because it's going to fly from this point on. It seems like once spring break hits, then it's about over. And so uh, we've got quite a few seniors. And so, uh, parents, I want to encourage you also to mark your calendars. Uh, I don't have the exact date right here, but we do have a graduation party for all of our seniors that the church will be hosting. And so we want to make sure we, we get you here. Uh, so make plans to be here. It's on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we're looking forward to, to celebrating our seniors this year. We've got quite a few. Um, God is good. And I'm thankful for what we had yesterday. We had our Easter, forever Easter family celebration. And we froze to death. Uh, but, we, you know, it was all right. After I got through grilling hot dogs at Sloppy Floyd, I turned the grill into a fireplace. I went and got some wood and just stoked it up and stayed warm. So... Uh, but it was a good day. We had uh, we had a lot of fun. Our kids had a lot of fun. And if you missed it, um, try to be there next year. You won't regret coming and spending some time with your forever family. Acts chapter 19. We're we're still working through this chapter, and uh, I try to cover a chapter uh, with each sermon. But but in this particular chapter, you can't because there's uh, some specific things that need to be brought out that are very important. And last week. Uh, we talked about uh, the forgotten God, that that the book of Acts is about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the church and how that empowerment led the church to do great exploits for God. It was the driving of the Spirit. Now, um, I'm thankful for the Bible calls Jesus, what, the good shepherd. A shepherd leads his flock. Okay, sheep have to be led, but but uh, when it refers to the Spirit, it's, it speaks of Him driving us, pushing us, propelling us, carrying us, leading us to go further. In other words, the, the, Jesus will lead you, the Spirit will push you. 
okay, to go towards what he needs you to do. Um, and, and again, you still have free will. You can resist the spirit. You don't, you're, we're not robots. He doesn't want mindless followers. He wants those who will willingly pursue where the spirit is driving them or, or pushing them towards. So that's what he's after. Let's, let's look at a verse in John before we jump into Acts 19. We'll begin in the 11th verse of 19. Uh, but let's go to John, 1 John 3 and 8, uh, which says this, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been uh, sinning from uh, the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, um, there's a lot of people that they love to pick and choose verses, but if this isn't Bible, then neither is John 3.16 Bible. So we need to listen again. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's a frightening verse to me. That's a verse that I would rather not be written, but guess what? It's there. So he says what? For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, and the reason the Son of God appeared was to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why he appeared. Now, there is, there is no human being that has the power to destroy the works of the devil. It is Christ in us. It's the power that he gave us that destroys the works of the devil. So today I want to walk you through uh, kind of what's going on in the 11th verse. If you wasn't here last week, you can go back and watch that sermon or listen to it on a podcast, but we basically covered that, that, that you need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul is in Ephesus, and I see is in Ephesus. Ephesus is a hotbed of occultism and devil worship. Um, if you want to study the city of Ephesus, you will find that they devoted, uh, they were uh, very idolatrous like most cities of the ancient Roman Empire, but they were literally uh, uh, captivated by the occult. They loved uh, the occult practices. They worshipped, uh, uh, they practiced human sacrifice. Uh, the, so the people in Ephesus it was it was a hotbed. No wonder it was Ephesians where Paul was writing a letter to the church where he says, remember, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood because to you, where the rest of the world may be kind of immune to what is in the spiritual realm, you and Ephesus are very acute. You're very in tune to the demonic power because you're in a hotbed of it. And so though it's everywhere in the world, he's telling the church in Ephesus, you need to be very cautious because you are fighting against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, Acts chapter 19, we find that great uh, miracles are happening beginning with the 11th verse. Let's, let's just read through this and then we're going to dive in. Now, verse 11 says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. Now, I would have been satisfied if, somebody, if, if it, had, it just said miracles, wouldn't you? Uh, but for some reason, Luke adds uh, a little bit more to this explanation, and he says, now God was doing extraordinary. This, was, this would blow your mind what God was doing through the Apostle Paul. In other words, there was such an anointing, there was such a presence of God uh, in Paul's life that Paul was doing not just miracles, but extraordinary miracles. In other words, there was a little more going on here than the average time he would go and see God do miracles. So we want to Establish that first. Now, verse 12 continues by saying, So that even handkerchiefs and or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Now, we can read this and appreciate it, but when, you know, I still know people who freak out, but I, I, you know, because we anoint uh, cloths and we send them to the sick. I've got news for you. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. How about you? Uh, if, it's, if it's done by the early church, it should be practiced by us um, because it was 
done in the early church doesn't mean it's an outdated practice. It means that there is power in the obedience to the Scripture. Now, let me just, just lay this out here. There will never be power in the yarn, as we have little crochet cloths, or any kind of material. There's no power in the material. There's no uh, a special material we have. No, it is the obedience to the Scripture that says, you know what, we may not be able to get to you to lay hands on you, but we can anoint this cloth and we can send it to you and it can represent the prayers that have been prayed over you. I, I want you to understand something. If I'm walking through something, I want all the prayer I can get. How about you? Amen. Right now, uh, today, my mom is turning 86 today. It's her 86th birthday, so we're going to go be celebrating and partying here in a little while with my mom. Well, my mom's having some trouble with her knee right now. I know that the power of the Holy Spirit can touch her right where she's at right now. But I also know that there's obedience when we come together as a church and we say, you know what, we, the whole church here at Harvest may not be able to go pray for my mom, but we can anoint a cloth and it can carry the prayers of the this church, amen, and represent the prayers of this church so that her faith might be encouraged. That's what it's about, that your faith might be encouraged in what God is doing. So the extraordinary things were happening. Evil spirits were coming out of people. And then verse 13 says, then the interrent or the traveling from place to place is what this word means. Jews, uh, uh, exorcists, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I drew you by by, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. The seven sons of the Jewish high priest uh, named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man... Whom the, whom was the, uh, and whom the evil spirit uh, possessed leaped on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I want you to get what this verse, this last two passages says, okay? Because we're going to tra- go into this. These traveling exorcists, they were Jewish sons of a Jewish priest. Okay, the Bible identifies them, tells us who they were. They were going around and they would uh, practice exorcism over those who were uh, demonically possessed. Now, there's one problem with that. Uh, uh, The devil has never feared any name but the name of Jesus, and they they didn't speak the name of Jesus. But for some reason, they had heard Paul preach about Jesus. They had witnessed those evil spirits come out, and so they try to do this. And so when they try to do this, the spirit recognizes, is Jesus immediately he says and we recognize we know Jesus and we recognize Paul but you we don't know and so they immediately leap on them and they are attacked by this man who is possessed of a devil now we're going to get into that like I said after we work through the scripture this morning now the seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this but the evil spirit answered them and says Jesus I know and Paul we recognize but who are you and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them mastered them all overpowered them and they fled out of the house naked and wounded now this devil didn't just want to beat them up he stripped them Okay, he, he tore all of their clothing off and they ran out ashamed and naked and beaten. I want you to think about that for, for just a moment. So before you want to take on a devil, you might want to listen to what I'm preaching this morning. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jew and Greek. And fear fell upon all of them in the name of the Lord Jesus was extorted or lifted up. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, okay, okay, 
something amazing is beginning to happen here. If you're catching, so those who didn't believe started believing, and those who were practicing some stuff they shouldn't in private began to say, "Wait a minute, this has got to get out of our lives." They were believers, but they were doing stuff they shouldn't. Follow that. And a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. I want you to listen what breaks out because of a result of God moving and working, not even through Paul, but working and showing that you got to have a real relationship if you want to overcome evil. Okay, so let's, let's break this down. Today we're going to journey uh, into chapter 19 a little bit further, and we're going to talk about the sons of Sceva. And like I said, they're identified as the seven sons of a high priest or a priest, a Jewish priest. So basically, they were Jewish exorcists traveling around pretending to cast out devils. When a true child of God shouts praises, he or she truly has a relationship with God. They fear, Guess what? Uh, they, they don't fear anything. They fear nothing. But, 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 but losing that relationship with him. When a true child of God really knows the Lord and praises the Lord, the spirits of hell, they, they, they recognize it or they're fearful of it. The Holy Spirit will send mighty earthquakes to shake the gates of hell when a child of God truly is indwelled by his power. The enemy knows such a child of God and threatens, uh, uh, threatens to try to destroy them, but knows they cannot prevail. A revival Revival occurred in the city of Ephesus without Paul even leading it. I want you to think about this. Paul wasn't up preaching. This event did not happen in the presence of Paul. This event happened when some people wanted to try to borrow somebody else's relationship with Jesus to take care of devils so that they might gain fame and popularity is my opinion. I believe that they enjoyed their place as the seven sons of the high priest with, with their religious status privilege and they they saw Paul and I think they were jealous because Paul was the genuine thing I want you to understand anytime there's a genuine move of God the enemy will always try to produce a counterfeit to that and when you are experiencing a great move of God in your life you better be be weary of those and, and, and leery of those who come around and present a counterfeit to you in, in other words God is wanting us to have the genuine thing now, a revival occurred in Ephesus without Paul leading it. Paul's name was, was mentioned. He did not initiate the revival that took place where those who were, were doing things that, they, that were non-believers began to give their heart to Jesus. This was a result of what happened with the sons of Sceva. Now, I know Paul had been planting the seed, but this goes to show you God can send his revival whenever he chooses to send it, and he doesn't necessarily need me or you to send it, but he will do it when we are faithful in what we're supposed to do. So in other words, Paul had planted the seed, but what took place here took place because of the seven sons of Sceva's uh, trying to borrow that relationship and failing. Uh, all of a sudden, the people got fearful and said, wait a minute, we better own up to our stuff and we better be genuine. So the lost get saved and the Christians who were hypocrites began to come forward. And the Bible says those who were dabbling in the dark arts or magic began to bring their books. And I'm telling you, a chunk of money, several thousand pieces of silver, is what all of this was worth and they burned it in the streets denouncing the demonic power in their life denouncing it 
Some of us need to denounce the Satan's control over our minds. Some of us need to denounce some things uh, uh, that the enemy is trying to, our, our fear that, that has taken place of our faith over the last few years. Uh, and that's what's replaced a lot of believers. F fear has replaced their faith. Fear has replaced their faith. We have to reclaim our faith in Jesus. Amen. Now, let's look at this. There's strange reasons for, for this revival. The seven sons uh, of the man named Sceva uh, saw Paul's works and felt they could perform them also. More than likely, these men uh, used whatever they could religiously to gain status and prestige among those around them. So if they saw something working, they borrowed it in order to gain more status. Um, they felt their religious experience was good, as good as Paul's relationship. I want you to think about that. They thought my religious experience is just as good as Paul's relationship. Their biggest mistake was to think uh, this very thought. There is something powerful when we connect with the Holy Spirit. There is something more powerful when we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was a, in other words, their religion was dead, but Paul's relationship was alive and well. Amen? So yes, first of all, as I stressed last week, you must first know Jesus as your Savior. That is the prerequisite to go to heaven. That's all you need to go to heaven. But if God has put more on the table and says, I want to empower you with more, who in their right mind would say, I don't want more? Now, as a matter of fact, if somebody looked at you and said, hey, you, you have won $1,000, here's $1,000, but you know what? I'm going to give you an extra $1,000. Who would say, oh, no, that's enough. Thank you. No, you would say, you're going to give me an extra. Th that's two grand. I'm going to take the two grand. Who wants the two grand? I'm not offering that this morning. Okay, but anyway, nobody in their right mind. Jesus is saying, I'm offering you all of the God you can handle, and here it is in the gift of the Holy Spirit if you'll reach out and take it. But I'm not going to force you to take it, but it's a free gift to all those who want it. We established that last week in, in our message. But again, let's, let's, let's continue on. They felt that their religious experience was as good as Paul's relationship. There, there is something powerful when we are filled with the Spirit. The, guess what? Religion will eventually, you'll recognize it's dead. It's lifeless and it has no power. These men uh, were known of the Jewish religion and they experienced uh, uh, their experience with God ended with the law. That's where it ended. Okay? So they knew God up until the law, but Christ they did not know until Paul came to share with him or share with them about Jesus. Now, number one, they had not been saved. They had not been saved because the, the, you, you need to understand the, the Bible would have said these were brothers. It doesn't say they were brothers. It says they were Jewish sons of our, or they were Jewish uh, sons of a Jewish high priest. So they were still practicing Judaism. They had not accepted Christ in their life. So they hadn't been saved. Neither had they been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, John 4, verses 1 through 4 says this Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, if that was the case during John's time. What do you think is going on in our world today? What do you think is happening in our... I believe there are many false teachers and false prophets in this world today. He goes on in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come into flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. We've been studying the last days in my class on Wednesday nights, and we wrapped that up this past Wednesday night. But, I, but what 
we were sharing was simply this. The spirit of Antichrist, John declared it was already present in his world. And guess what? It's still present in our world today. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Those who boast to be another Christ, another way to salvation. So he says it's already at work. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Now, who is the he that you think John is speaking about? Well, he's speaking about Jesus. No, you got to go a little bit further in the chapter. He's actually speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, he who is in you, what Jesus said, he is with you, but he he shall, he will be in you. And so who was he referring to? He was referring to, Jesus was referring to, the he is the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand today, greater is he, the Holy Spirit that is in us, than he that is in this world. God has empowered his people with everything they need, everything they need to overcome the devil. God's people are not uh, exorcists. We are not the the ones who uh, uh, cast out evil spirits. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that deals with the devil. But he uses us as an instrument, amen, to deal with that devil. Matter of fact, me and Jim was talking about an encounter we had a few years ago, <laughs> and and and, and uh, he was new in his walk in this stuff, and, and it was quite alarming the first time you encounter something like that. But then you watch God deal with it, and you're like, "Wow, God, God's a lot greater than I realized." God's a lot more powerful than I realized because you know what? The devil loves to boast of his power. God just shows his power. And so I want you to understand this morning, you and I are empowered by the Holy Spirit to fight a good fight. Now, they saw the man who was demon-possessed, the seven sons did, and they attempted to exorcise this spirit or take it out or uh, perform an exorcism and cast out the devil. Uh, in other words, this man uh, did not need an exorcist. This man did not need seven sons of a high priest. He needed those who were in a relationship with Jesus to know their authority through the Holy Ghost, their authority through the Holy Spirit. You and I have authority through his power. The devil spoke out to this person using his vocal cords. Verse 13 says uh, or verse, uh, that the Jewish exorcist undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. The seven sons, in verse 14, of the Jewish high priest named Sceva, they were doing this. But the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered them all and overpowered them, and they fled the house naked and wounded. They had, uh, they heard the sons refer to, or the spirit, the evil spirit heard the sons refer to Jesus and Paul. So it took these men, uh, these men tried to use the benefit of someone else's relationship with the Holy Spirit, somebody's relationship with Jesus to deal with the devil. And I'm telling you, this practice goes on today. Some of us are still trying to use somebody else's relationship with God to make it to heaven and you're not going to be able to make it till you have your own relationship with God. God is longing for you and I to plug in to the source of his power. He says all power I have given you, all authority I have given you and you are empowered to be my witnesses through the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this morning, God is wanting his church to step into their place of authority. Amen. 
So it took these men trying to, to use the benefits of someone else to see revival break out. If you are going to overcome the devil, you cannot borrow someone else's power to do it. If you are fighting addictions in your life, if you are fighting, and those addictions can go many things. We want to think of addictions just as drug and alcohol or pornography. But we can be addicted to work. We can be addicted to popularity. We can be addicted to, to, to how much education we obtain. We can be addicted to a lot of things of this world, and we can miss out on what God has for us. And if you're going to overcome, some of us, we're plagued with depression, and we're praying, we are oppressed by the enemy and we pray and we feel better but in just a moment we slide back down to that place that we were I'm going to tell you the spirit of depression the spirit of oppression the spirit of selfless uh, of, of no self worth there, there's a lot of people battling that they look at themselves in the mirror and they see nothing of value I'm here to tell you you were fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God and he indwells in you with his Holy Spirit you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God is saying, you are worth everything to me, even the price of my son. I'll spare no expense for your forgiveness. You and I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to know him and to not just know him, to function in that relationship with him. My question to you this morning is, they knew Jesus, they recognized Paul, but does hell know you by name? Does the enemy know your name? Oh yeah, I battle him every day. That's not what I'm talking about. These spirits knew Jesus. And they recognized who Paul was. Why? Because Paul had walked in such a place with God and had fought such a spiritual warfare against them. He had play, found himself in the hall of fame on hell's most wanted list. Does hell fear you? Or does it get up in the morning and say, that's just Phil. He doesn't even know the power he has access to. We got no worries. If we are going to see revival in Chattooga County, some of our names need to go on the most wanted list in hell. I don't want it there. It means I'll fight some fights. Yes, you will. But just like Paul overcame through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I will overcome through the power of that same Spirit because the same Spirit that was in Paul is the same Spirit that's in this room, the same Spirit you and I have access to. It is the Holy Spirit that God sent when He ascended back to the Father. He says, I must go so that He can come. And when I send Him, who sent Him? Jesus sent Him. He said, He will empower you. He will give you power. He will give you power of knowledge. He'll give you power of strength. There'll be gifts that operate through him. Amen. And these are for what? For the edification of somebody? No. The, the Bible's really clear in Corinthians. The gifts of the Spirit are for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. Whenever you see an individual wielding or supposedly wielding the Holy Spirit at their own will and their own power, this is my gift. This is my ministry. This is my work. I've got news for you. There's no one in this room that has a ministry that is theirs. We are borrowing and 
continuing the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to continue what he started. That's what the church is. Paul was an extension of that. And if I believe if you were to question Paul and say, Paul, did you have a ministry? He'd say, no, I just continued the ministry of the one who sent me. I really think Paul would be under, uh, uh, uncomfortable with the reverence that he's given by a lot of people. Including myself, because I think a lot of Paul, he's one of those guys I want to shake hands with and sit down and have a few conversations with when I get there. But I think he would be uncomfortable because he would look at us and say, it's never been about my name. <laughs> it's been about the name who saved me, for I was a wretched man. He would probably go all the way back and start quoting you, Romans 6, 7, and 8, saying, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> the good that I would do, I don't do it, and the evil that I would not, that I do. I'm condemned, I'm wretched. But then he has those famous words where he completes his thoughts through 6 and 7 in the beginning of chapter 8. But now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who what are in Christ Jesus and not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There you go. There it is again. So what would Paul tell us today? He would say if you want to overcome the devil, if you want to find victory, if you want to see revival in our community and beyond, you must be empowered with the Holy Spirit because the task is beyond us. And the task is greater than us. Oh, what arrogance to even believe we can accomplish it on our own. God hates arrogance. But as those who are empowered, does hell know you by name? A relationship with the Holy Spirit will always triumph over a religious ritual or a spirit, a religious, religious ritual or spirit in your life. There are a lot of people who have religious spirit. As a matter of fact, they know how to turn God on when they're around Christians and turn God off when they're not. That's dangerous. I have a loved one right now that can outquote anybody in this room, probably even myself, with Scripture. But they do not have a relationship with the one who penned the words. You must know him. He longs to be in relationship with you. Why did he go to the cross? We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. The, the death and the resurrection. Why did he go to those things? Why did he go to such great lengths? Let me share why he did that. So that you and I, not that we would be able just to say, Whoo, I don't have to go to hell. But that we might be empowered over hell. That we might have the strength to pull somebody else out of the trouble they're in. And that comes through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit will always triumph over religion in your life. Maybe they felt outdone by Paul, these seven sons. Maybe they wanted to prove they could do it too. Though man, uh, though, the, though man knew the names of the seven sons of Sceva, they were popular evidently in Ephesus. Obviously the devil was not too impressed by their popularity. So it is possible for people to know your religious faith, and the devil to ignore your claims of power. It's possible to be recognized as a believer here, but recognized as somebody that is not even feared in hell. 
It's not just, it shouldn't be enough just to get to heaven for you. It shouldn't be enough. It shouldn't be enough just to get to the, I'm, I'm just glad I'm getting there. It shouldn't be enough. That's selfishness on our part. It shouldn't be enough. We should be so blown away with what God has done for us by the grace that we have received that it's not enough for me just to get there. I'm looking across at my friend uh, in the classroom or I'm looking across at my friend on the assembly line or I'm looking across at my my father, my mother, my my sister or brother, whoever it may be that is lost and without Jesus. How selfish of me to have the hope of eternal life and not give it. I'm going to compare it to this. It's like you discovering the cure for cancer and only curing yourself. I want you to think about that. What would you think? One day you said, I walked in your room and you're dying of cancer. And I looked and I said, well, I had the cure because I used to have cancer. I I cured myself, but I, I, I kept it to myself. Because I didn't want the wrong person to be cured. There's some of us that need to realize there is a disease worse than cancer or any other disease on this planet, and it's called sin. And sin, though, though, though cancer can destroy the body, oh my goodness, sin will destroy the soul and damn it to hell. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? But there is a cure, and everybody in this room is here. here. If you don't know it, I'm going to share it with you. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God bled and died on Calvary's cross, and one One drop of that blood will eradicate any sin in your life. All you have to do is ask Him to wash you clean. All you have to do is accept Him. It's the cure. It's the cure. And the church has been selfish with the cure. Now if you're upset at me, then good. That means I'm talking to you. But if you're not upset, then hopefully you're doing this. You're sharing that cure. Whether you face the devil or not right now, whether you're facing him or not right now, you will. Let me take that away, that, that I, I, a little spoiler alert. You will face the devil in your life. And you will face the devil multiple times. But oh, don't, it, don't let the enemy, when you come at him, when you say, in the name of Jesus, get out of my thoughts. In the name of Jesus, get out of my mind. In the name of Jesus, you take your fear back with you because I've got faith in my God that can overcome. Don't let him look at you and say, well, Jesus, I know. But who are you? Who are you? The question is that when the time comes, Will he recognize, the devil recognize your relationship with this God that we serve? I don't want to say, if you're, miss, if you're messing with some dark things. Now, I, I, I was not even going to go this direction, but I have to. This is a side note, a little bit off track, but I, I hope you'll hear me today. If you are messing with some dark things, I can promise you eventually, if you fool around with darkness enough, you'll see something dark. You play around with the cult long enough, you're going to see something. And there is a fascination with this generation of the occult. 
There is. There's a, a, a fascination and there's an intoxicating thing about the occult that they're fascinated with. And some of it is they're being desensitized through their cartoons and through the movies that we watch. Desensitized. In other words, I don't see evil as evil as it should be. Because we place the pretend world into the real world. Oh, God, help me. You say, I talk about people being possessed of the devil, and some of you look and say, that don't happen today. You've been fooled. I'll just go this far. We got several police officers in this room. You ask them if they faced evil. You, you ask them if they've ever come up on a situation where they knew this was not capable. Uh, uh, this, this act could not be, be done without an empowerment of something evil in this person's life. It's real. And if you play around with it, you might just discover it. So I'm warning you. Be careful of the occult. What are you saying? There's a true fascination. We like movies that proclaim the power of Satan. Yeah, we do. We like movies that proclaim the power of Satan because we put it in the pretend world. In other words, if you're a comic book geek, it's okay. It takes one to know one. If you've ever heard of the character Spawn, Hellboy, all of those are good, are evil, created evil by the, by the devil or Lucifer, but they became good guys. Listen to what we're proclaiming. He's saying, so don't watch TV, don't watch movies. I say be guided by the Holy Spirit is what I'm telling you to do. You're getting quiet. We love to watch human sacrifice on television. Oh, we don't say we love it, but we watch it every day. We fill our minds with ghost stories and all sorts of things because it's fun. We play around with astrology. Come on, folks. We look at our horoscope. We go to a palm reader just for entertainment, just calling it fun. If we play around with the dark things of this world, eventually we're going to run head on into the cause of those dark things. And it may be pretend on the outside, but I want you to understand there is a true initiative of the enemy to destroy this generation with the dark things of this world. But I want to remind you of the scripture I just read to you in John. For greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world. We must be guided, directed, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome the wickedness of this world. Because I'm telling you, if you think things are going to get better, if you're thinking, oh, in just a few more years, we'll elect the right president and get this thing straight. In November, we're going to get this thing straight. I want you to understand you're putting your hopes in a system of this world instead of your hopes in the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Yes, by all means, be guided by the Spirit and vote like the Spirit tells you, all those good things. But when it all comes down to it, the end of the book doesn't say things are going to get better. It says things are going to get worse. But I want you to know this morning, we will overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will. Mm. We'll have to hush. Paul preached Christ so fully and totally. He gave himself so fully and totally over to the power of God 
This must have been, in my opinion, the devil's thoughts. Yes, Jesus is the proper authority and we recognize him. But we also recognize the servant that is empowered by him. Yes, Paul preaches Jesus, but he knows more than just the name. Oh, God help me. He knows the intimacy of a relationship with him. Therefore, we fear Paul because he knows his power through Christ. Paul was genuine. He had the real thing. We see the seven sons had watched Paul do this great work. Demons watched too. <laughs> Don't you think about that. Every time Paul did a great miracle, every time or saw a great miracle in his ministry, every time Paul preached the truth, the people of Ephesus saw it, but so did the demons in hell. You see, there's an unseen world by human eyes. Who believes in angels? Okay, all right. You believe in angels. It's all right to believe in angels. You should. It's in the Bible. Well, if angels are real, so are demons. Who believes in heaven? If you don't raise your hand for that, we're getting you in this altar right now. <laughs> Who believes in heaven? Okay. So if heaven's real, hell's real. Who believes God has a plan for your life? Come on, he's got a divine plan for your life. Yes, amen. Well, if God has a divine plan for your life, there's a counterfeit. Amen. There's a counterfeit. There is spiritual wickedness in this present age. It still exists. Just because a few thousand years have passed by doesn't mean that the kingdom of darkness has dissipated. As a matter of fact, it is strengthened. Because what is the opposing force? I've heard this mistaught so many times. What is the opposing force to wickedness on this earth? After Somebody said, after the rapture, the Holy Spirit will leave this earth. That's actually not biblical. Why? Because the psalmist said, where can I go to hide from you? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I descend into hell, you are there. Wherever I go, you are there. So that's a mistaught thing. So what is the opposing force to the devil's kingdom on this earth that's going to be removed? The church. As weak as it is right now, in my opinion, we are still holding back the floodgates of hell as weak as it is. So, well, I don't feel weak. Well, good for you, but that's one of you. There's a lot of bricks in the wall. Amen? No, I'm not a brick. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you're a lively stone, according to the Apostle Peter. You're living, alive, placed in the body. The building and maker of God is who is God. You are. If you're saved, you look at somebody and say, you're a rock. Don't tell them they're stoned. Okay. You're a rock. And you are placed in the building by Christ. Let me just say this to you this morning. Are you weak? And is hell slipping past you? Strengthen your relationship with God. Stand if you will. Your life counts for something on this earth. Paul was genuine and he had the real thing. The evil spirits recognized his name. Why? Because he had the real relationship that he needed with God. 
Evil's real. Now, we can put our head in the sand and say it's not. But what's happening in the Ukraine is real. The murder of innocents is real. What causes a world leader to turn missiles on hospitals and schools? Mass graves full of children. What causes that? I guess he's just crazy. Well, what drove him that way? There's evil in this world. And though we get glimpses of it in this country, we'll see something horrible on the news or we'll, we'll have a mass shooting somewhere or something, something like that. We have not seen our own government. I mean, I want you to think about it. It'd be like us turning on Canada and bombing Canada and then being told, well, they're a real threat to us. So these children that are being murdered, they're a threat to you? Oh, yes. There's real evil in this world. There's hatred in this world. What are you saying, Pastor? It matters how you live. It matters how you live. It matters how you live. And are you living a life that the enemy fears? I graduated from high school in 1988, and I've shared this story many times. My dad bribed me to go to a Christian college. He told me he'd make my car payment if I'd go to Christian college for a year. That's a sneaky old man. Ended up going all four years, graduated from that school with a theology degree. But I was 19 years old when I heard the call of the Spirit. I preached my first sermon at 19. And I might not have had everything theologically in line and all the details and the pretty illustrations. But I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget what one of the deacons at the church where I preached my first sermon said when he put his arm around me and hugged me. He said, well, that was anointed, and that's enough. That's all you need. You'll be all right. I went on. I got a little better understanding of theology, working at it still. But nothing I learned in four years will replace the anointing of the Spirit because... Knowledge will not break the yoke of bondage in, in, in someone's life. And knowledge will not destroy the gates of hell. But I'm here to tell you, knowledge anointed can do mighty works for God. And everybody in this room, God's ready to anoint you 
with His Spirit to do great things. And look, I shared that because some of you, you are not too far away from 19. What if God has other plans for your life? Because one of the most disturbing things for me right now is I'm not seeing a whole lot of young people answering the call. And God's still calling. As a matter of fact, preaching is becoming a lost art in a lot of churches. We've replaced the anointing for lectures. Hmm. You have never truly tasted of the Spirit until you get up and you can't tell people what's happened. Why? Because there's going to be moments in your life where you're speechless. Overwhelmed by His power. So my question is, does hell know your name? And my follow-up question is this, do you want it to? That you are so empowered by the Spirit in your walk with God and your relationship with God that the enemy fears you. So my call is simply this, the altar call today. Are you professing it or are you possessing it? The sons of Sceva professed it, but they didn't possess it. But you shall receive power. Those are the words of Jesus. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When He comes, you're going to get power. And you will stand and you will prophesy and you will share and you will make disciples. You will be empowered to do the impossible through my Spirit. That's what He said. My question is, who wants it? So my call simply that who wants it come on there's some others who wants it adults you want it amen you're going to have situations in your family where you're going to need you're going to need to have your own relationship with the Lord if you want it come get it it's here you want a fresh anointing don't wait for a special moment a special time come get it you making plans is God part of those plans Amen. Every young person in this room, do you want to be empowered? It's here. It's here. All you have to do is come and ask God for it. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter how young, how old you are in this room. God will empower you. But you've got to want it and you've got to pursue it. You've got to ask for it. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.